Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler with me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Guys, this is our last edition of the Rookie Draft Do-Over Series, and we get to talk about the 2019 class, Ryan, which is full of Dynasty superstars. Yeah, we said it last week. It was it was tough to rank. We got to the end and left out good players. I did the same thing this week. And, and of course, we just have one year of, of data, one year of play on the field at this point to consider. But I think this first round is going to be very different even than what we saw a year ago with, with players moving up and down pretty quickly after that one year. Our, our opinions have changed quickly. Yeah, it has. Matt, you uh, you said last week that you thought maybe we were going to have a lot of different differing opinions of where these guys fall. I think that that holds true even more with the 2019 class. I scribbled out and erased and, and drew arrows to where guys go in my rankings over and over and over again because finding a top 24 out of the 2019 class, putting them in an order is difficult. Yeah, and we're going to, again, we're going to leave a lot of meat on the bone, so to speak. I think uh, already uh, <laughs> just looking at this list, it seems like we could easily do at least half a third round, if not a full third round, if, if we wanted to. We won't, though. We'll keep it to two <laughs> rounds since, since that what we, that's what we've done to this point. A quick reminder, we are doing the two rounds. It is super flex, uh, and we drew the order, and Ryan, you drew the number one pick this week. Uh, it's a fun decision. That's a pretty easy decision, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to take Kyler Murray here. Um, he, yeah, that's what makes it so much fun. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, I, I do think I think a couple players have, have really gained uh, quite a bit of dynasty value this offseason. Maybe, maybe you guys take those two. But at the top in the Superflex format, I'm taking Kyler Murray. Uh, in, in startups, Superflex startups that I've participated in this offseason – I think I've taken him as high as as four or five. So definitely see him as the QB three in Dynasty right now. Uh, he's he's already uh, he's already proven it. He's already been a QB one. He was he was the quarterback nine uh, last year. I've seen some people question his rank or his ADP and, and compare him to. Uh, Baker Mayfield and we we talked about him last week with that that hype. Um, I guess it. I guess it was just a year ago after they acquired Odell Beckham. But the the big difference between Murray and and Baker Mayfield is that Murray has already put together that successful fantasy season. Uh, quarterback nine is is far higher than than Mayfield has 
finished in his two seasons. So, uh, and, and you know, all of that and, and didn't even talk about the addition of Deandre Hopkins. I, I think he's the Kyler Murray's the easy pick at one. Yeah. He's the easy pick for me as well. For all the reasons you mentioned there, Matt, you drew the second pick. I imagine you would have taken Kyler at one, who are you going to settle for it to? Yeah, I don't know if it's really settling. Kyler is definitely the one just based on Superflex, but pr- number two is pretty easy for me too, and that's Miles Sanders. He's locked in as my running back six in my rankings, and I think he really is the the the, the number one guy we have to talk about in terms of, of, the, of, the, of the running back that could jump into that top elite tier. Uh, I, I, obviously, we can consider Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in that area, and we certainly should. Uh, but just based on what we've seen already on the field, we know Miles Sanders is good. The the, the talk all offseason was they're going to add a, a veteran, and I guess there's still a chance they could do that with, with, you know, with Devontae Freeman still sitting out there. I don't really see him as much of a threat even if they were to do that though um so uh miles sanders pretty easy for me here at number two overall and i'm I'm happy to have him uh really on every single dynasty team yeah that hurts just a little bit i was (laughs) hoping you were going to go the other way because i'd much rather had miles sanders than the guy i'm pretty much backed into a corner into taking here at number three that's josh jacobs and and while that sounds maybe kind of bleak and and like like, I don't want to have Josh Jacobs on a team of mine. He finished as the RB21 last season. Uh, really a productive season, despite not being the a primary pass catcher, not having a big role as a pass catcher in that Oakland offense. As we move over to Las Vegas, I think the hope for all of us, after catching only 20 passes in his rookie season, is that he gets more involved and gets more opportunities as a pass catcher to add that floor that we all talk about regularly with these running backs. That would boost his value, and while he's gone up and and moved up in dynasty rankings and, and even redraft rankings over the past several months, that maybe slight red flag or, or question mark surrounding Jacobs and his pass catching ability uh, just kind of lingers there. Just seven touchdowns also on the ground as a rookie. I think most of us anticipate that that, that number could increase as well. And if that happens, he could be one of those guys that jump into that next tier. I think Jacobs is the obvious third pick here uh, in this exercise. I would have gone a different way. I would have as well. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I might mess up the fourth pick then, too. Uh, I'm going to pivot over to, over to wide receiver and take A.J. Brown at at fourth overall. Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the same reasons, um, you know, except he, he kind of, I guess, outperformed what a lot of people expected him to do as a rookie. Despite being in that Tennessee offense, he immediately became the number one wide receiver, the biggest target on the team. And not only was he that big guy that could make plays in the red zone, he was also the guy that could make a turn a turn a small play, a short play into a big, big gain and did that regularly for us as dynasty owners, just making your week on one catch. A lot of that is expected in his second season as well. A.J. Brown was consistently a mid First round pick in in rookie drafts last year. I think he fits right here at number four. 
Yeah, that's that's the player I would have taken over Jacobs. In fact, I had one other guy. Me too. Uh, over over Jacobs as well, which probably means Matt is about to <laughs> steal him away from me. Yeah, I think for the wide receivers, I think uh, Brown is probably my one B. My one A is DK Metcalf, who I will take here. And you know, starting with Miles Sanders and DK Metcalf, these are two of my most rostered players across all of my dynasty teams. So happy to get him here. Uh, you know, with that that physicality, that athleticism, he's he's close to the. I mean, I'm He's not Calvin Johnson. He's not uh, Randy Moss. He's not those guys. But, you know, I, I think in terms of this generation, I think he has the build and the upside to do it. It's just the really the problem with him is he's in that lower volume offense. That they would ever let Russell Wilson be a high volume passer. Then, you know, we could really see some ridiculous things from both him and Tyler Lockett. Um, but I fully expect him to be you know, the the wide receiver one in this offense going forward, even with Lockett there. Maybe he receives less targets than, than Lockett. Maybe it's close. Uh, but, you know, in terms of touchdown upside and just, you know, the ability to, to, to score and, and make a big play on basically every time he touches the ball uh, is, is just really exciting upside for him. And maybe they add Antonio Brown. I guess I'm a little bit worried about that for the second half of the season, but I think long-term DK is, is, is going to be the, the top receiver in this class based on his quarterback uh, over, over AJ Brown for me. That's really the deciding factor is the offenses that they're in. I guess they are similar in terms of they both want to run the ball and play defense or whatever with those two teams, but Russell Wilson over Ryan Tannehill pretty much every, every single day. So DK Metcalf here, pretty easy pick. Yeah, it's Lockett over over Corey Davis. That's the reason. Lockett is going to demand so much more of the offense, and A.J. Brown doesn't have anybody on that on that team that is going to demand those kind of targets, and his target share is going to, going to increase big time. You mentioned Lockett, but because Lockett's target share is so great, DK Metcalf, his his growth is stunted and and his upside, I think, is capped just a little bit in that offense, which, as you mentioned, is run first and and doesn't necessarily spread the ball. They're not they don't let Russ eat or let Russ cook or whatever the thing was. Uh, he's not Mister Unlimited, <laughs> <laughs> not a limited passer anyway. They, they limit Mister Russell Wilson, so. Uh, it's a run first offense, and I'm gonna. I'll take AJ Brown. I'll, I I would trade DK Metcalf in a heartbeat for AJ. Only Brown. Lockett only had ten more targets than than DK last year. I'm just saying, and I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think they both hover around that 100 to 120 target range, but uh, I think just think DK can do more with his targets than than Lockett can at this stage. All right. Uh, so those are the first five picks. Ryan, you're on the clock for a couple here. Yeah, I can't decide if if this tier ends after five or six i think the six pick is pretty obvious and then it's kind of wide open after that uh at six i will take daniel jones uh it's only fitting since i took uh josh allen a week ago those those two guys kind of get lumped in together uh that that nobody really wanted them coming into the league even in super flex formats uh they, they both often fell to the second round uh, but in his rookie season, Josh Allen was the uh, quarterback 21 overall, but did have some huge games, had four games as the QB two for the week um, and, and is already being valued as a as a top 12 quarterback uh, in Dynasty League. So uh, after him, for me, it's a huge group of wide receivers and, and a, a pretty big drop off at the quarterback position. So that's that's kind of the difference maker with this sixth pick. I like that pick, Ryan. I would have taken Daniel Jones there as well. And I, I think you were right. He fits in the tier. 
And and I actually think there's one more player that fits inside that tier as well. I'm sure that's the guy you're going to go with at seven. I got two. I, I got two so. more. I got two more in this tier, and Daniel Jones was not in this tier. Oh, see, we are differentiating. I, 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 I think you forgot then. to mention his 18 fumbles and the the, the, the low parts of his game. I just, I, I, I'm still not. I need to see another year from Daniel Jones before I'm ready to get on board. I understand the upside. I understand those big games that he's had, but I, I don't know. We'll see if he can, if he can, if he can have a fully healthy offense around him in 2020, and and we actually have a 2020, then uh, maybe he gets there. But right now, I'm, I'm, I'm in the. I need to see more kind of camp for Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, there, there's plenty more conversation that could be had about him. I mean, and and obviously it's it, it's not all positive. Lots of turnovers. But, I mean, he was a rookie. We've got a new coaching staff. Do hope, obviously, to have a healthy uh, pass-catching group there. So I, I think there's a lot of reasons to to be investing in, in Daniel Jones this offseason. My, my favorite Daniel Jones storyline this offseason so far is that he got added however many pounds of muscle because that's going to help him with his ball security <laughs> Does, are, are his hands just like massively can he just like crush a watermelon with a hand now is that so he's going to squeeze the football and it's going to stop him from fumbling oh that's that's a new one i hadn't heard that one actually <laughs> all right i'm i'm wondering who dan has in this tier I, I feel like i'm probably going to let him down but i'm going to take terry mclaurin here nailed it okay good good there's there's like i said i see several wide receivers they're all pretty close to me Uh, mclaurin the clear wide receiver one uh for the washington football team um and really just 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 no competition for targets um i i kind of liked kelvin Harmon. he's torn his acl um of course we talked about uh, guys being gone last week so that's I don't think that's necessarily a huge. Um, I don't think he was going to steal a lot of targets, but that's just more opportunity in general for for McLaurin in the passing game. Yeah, I thought McLaurin was the was the pick as well. Easily fit into that tier. Fifty eight catches, over nine hundred yards, seven touchdowns. There's not a lot of wide receivers that do that kind of stuff, fellas. In their rookie season, he fits in with some of the elite guys that we've had over the last handful of years in dynasty. Uh, and I think he's he's undersold a little bit in the dynasty community. And maybe Ryan, I'm pointing the finger at you for not including him with the rest of those players in that tier. Um, McLaurin's just while he's while he's maybe not as safe and maybe not the flashy name that that a lot of us kind of would like him to be because he was a third round pick in the NFL draft. Man, he he produced and he produced big time in spurts, especially early in 2019. He he definitely fit for me. Uh, Matt, I imagine you would have gone with McLaurin if he slid to eight. Yeah, he was the next guy on my list for sure. Maybe maybe one of the maybe maybe the most undervalued wide receiver at the top in terms of overall dynasty ADP. I think there's a lot of cash to be made with McLaurin this season. Uh, you know, the quarterback situation obviously a question mark still. But uh, after sh- seeing what he did his rookie season, um, all systems go for McLaurin here. Matt, I want to I want to trade up. Too bad. Can no, I trade you up can't. There's spot? one player left in this I, tier. I think you're going to get I'm my I'm sorry. Guy. This is the last player in this tier for me, and I've got to take Marquise Brown here. We saw what he came. He, 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 came, <laughs> he came out of as a rookie uh, with that injury, and even, even coming off of that injury in week one just blew the doors off of Miami with four catches, 147 yards, and two touchdowns. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so excited to see what he's going to do as, with, with the with – the full 
slate of, of health on his on his billing and with Lamar Jackson developing as a passer we saw them be a completely run first team in in uh 20 or sorry in 2019 uh and it's widely projected that they're going to regress back to a little bit more passing volume this year and with fully healthy Marquise Brown and, and more passing volume I'm super excited to see what he's going to do in year two uh, I think he is more than just a deep threat obviously has that speed the size is an issue but he's another person who is his another player who has added some muscle some weight to him I don't know if that's necessarily going to affect his speed hopefully it doesn't um, but in terms of being able to stay healthy I hope that's good news for him so pretty easy pick here for me yeah the easiest pick of the draft even easier than Kyler if you ask me uh obvious pick I I really wanted I think a <laughs> You know, I'm the host. Executive decision. I got the eighth pick, Matt. You're down hey, to nine. You could have ta- it's just the way it goes. I'm sorry for your... I would have taken him over, over Josh Jacobs, Dan. So, uh, you know, you had your opportunity. Whoa. <laughs> what? I'm just That's kidding. I, I prob- I'm just kidding. Far. I probably wouldn't have. <laughs> probably. Holy I, in terms of players that I like, I, I like him better than, than Josh Jacobs. So, what, what, whatever a, that's There's worth. another guy that is relatively similar both both in uh effectiveness as a rookie and also his his maybe role on the team and with one maybe exception that's Debo Samuel uh I'm gonna take him right here at number nine if it weren't for the injury it feels to me like maybe we would be considering him with McLaurin and with Marquise Brown uh, Debo Samuel has a lot of upside, showed a lot of it as a rookie, 57 catches for 800 yards and three touchdowns. I'm looking at all these stats in preparation for the this show, guys, and there's so many receivers that, that just, just balled out as rookies, and now we're getting those type of players at the bottom of the first round. Uh, Debo Samuel, now that Emmanuel Sanders is gone, he should be that number one option. In, in at least w- among the wide receivers in San Francisco. Uh, I know George Kittle is there, and he's going to command a, a big percentage of those targets in that offense. But, man, Debo Samuel, when he's healthy, he's a dynamic player. I think last week, Matt, I can't remember who you were talking about. I think it was James Washington. You talked about him becoming a runner immediately after the catch, looking like a running back. Debo Samuel is a running Absolutely. back. They get him on those, those quick uh, flare passes and those drags. And he's hard to bring down. He's elusive. He's he's man. He's a weapon. I uh, really like Debo Samuel coming out. Like him even more now. Even even with the injury. So uh, I guess he'll he'll be my constellation constellation prize at one hundred and nine. That'll put me back on the clock uh, with the tenth pick, guys. And I think man, I I said that maybe there was a tear break. Uh, after McLaurin, then I thought, no, Marquise Brown fits in. And then I thought, oh, I guess Debo Samuel kind of fits into that after I look at it again. And now I'm thinking there's definitely a tear break here. Uh, I'm going to go back to the quarterback position. I'm going to take Drew Locke. And I've been, I've been a little bit on the, um, I guess, against Drew Locke and his upside. But in super flex leagues, even with these other options, there's a lot of talent, uh, available, but, um, he he's got the got the support of that coaching staff and that front office. Maybe Drew Locke is a is a few picks early here, uh, but when I compare him against some of the other options, it feels like getting the quarterback now is a good de- good decision. I'm worried about Locke's future. I think his 2020 is absolutely cemented, but. It, it... You know, again, it's going to be maybe he gets an extra chance if it's a COVID season and 
you know, lots of lots of people on, on the on the Broncos going out with COVID situations or injuries or whatever. But it feels like there should not be any way that Drew Locke can fail uh, with all the talent they've put around him. And if he does, then I think it's you know there's a chance that they try to move on from him in, in 2020. Maybe he becomes like a you know it seems pretty young a pretty young guy to be a bridge quarterback. But if he fails in, in 2020, then I I would be seriously worried about his long term outlook with the team not having that first round draft capital. Matt, yeah, that puts you on the clock at 11. Who you got here? Yeah, I would have taken uh, this player above him. I, I do, like you said, uh, I, we talked about last week about James Washington, and I, I still I still kind of worried about Deontay Johnson, but looking at whoever's on the board here, there's a couple of great tight end options, I think. Uh, uh, Locke was certainly in conversation just because of the format, but Deontay Johnson, what he was able to do last season with that, uh, cluster at the quarterback position in, in, in Pittsburgh in 2019 and now looking at what he could do with Ben Roethlisberger back under center for them in 2020 is very exciting. I just I, I think that offense in general is, is a buy. Uh, and uh, like I said, still a little bit worried about him in, in terms of how much he's being hyped up by the community this offseason. Uh, and I think he might struggle to reach that upside, but you can't can't fault them for, for seeing what they saw in 2019 and what he could do with them in 2020. So Deontay Johnson here is, is kind of the last uh, guy in that particular tier for me. Okay, that puts Ryan on the clock at number 12 overall to finish up the first round. Yeah, I think we're starting to see kind of where we differ in, in these rankings. The, the first eight or nine were, were kind of straight down the list, and now we're, we're jumping around quite a bit. And uh, I think in our existing leagues, we can, we can take advantage of that. There's, there are dynasty players out there that don't believe in Drew Locke. Uh, maybe you can buy him low that that aren't sold maybe on Deontay Johnson or, or some of these other guys. Maybe they're worried about some of the top picks that uh, that haven't even come off the board yet. So lots of buying opportunity in general with this class. You know, it, it seems like we've talked about some of the teams and, and some of the offenses that we don't like investing in Washington, uh, maybe the the Seattle passing game we have questions about. So I'm just going to take a player that uh, that comes from an offense that I do trust, that I want to invest in as much as possible. I'm going to take Mecole Hardman here uh, with the 12th pick. Uh, he, he was the next guy on my board. Obviously flashed uh, with some limited opportunity last season. Uh, I think he can, can easily ascend to that wide receiver two role in Kansas City this year. Uh, I, I don't think. Uh, jumping over Sammy Watkins or, or Demarcus Robinson is going to be all that difficult. Honestly, we, we saw what he did with limited targets and I'm excited to see what he can do with more of them. Yeah. You, you know, I'm a big Miko Hardman fan. I'm investing in him in leagues as well. He was the guy I was considering along with drew Locke at 10. Uh, I would have taken Hardman over Johnson for sure. And, and I might've taken another wide receiver over, over Johnson as well. Uh, there's, the, to, going back to the point that you made there, Ryan, about how we're kind of jumping around and how maybe maybe dynasty owners should be taking advantage of this. Maybe it's a good exercise, guys, to create these types of lists, even even inside of uh, one draft class, because you could you could find a guy that is willing to trade you, Miko Hardman, for for Drew Locke, or vice versa, or find a find the guy that's. Uh, not so high on Deontay Johnson, despite having him on the roster and being able to send one of these other rookies that we haven't, or, or second-year players now that we haven't uh, talked about even yet. So 
Um, I think I think it's a fun exercise, and we're we're gonna I think we're gonna continue to to find some differentiating uh, uh, rankings as we move along into the second round. Before we get to that, though, let's talk. Uh, a little bit about our friends over at monkeyknifefight.com. They are the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet. And my, Monkey Knife Fight is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit right now. Open a new account with a minimum of a $10 deposit at Monkey Knife Fight and you'll receive a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. This offer is also good to those of you that are already DLF members. They will extend your membership by a whole year if you make that deposit over at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Monkey Knife Fight will also match your initial deposit amount doubling your bankroll up to $50. They feature football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and much more. You'll find plenty of entertaining contest options even in these uncertain times. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games with no salary caps, so if you can correctly predict the outcome, you are guaranteed to win. There are no sharks, no professionals out there to prevent you from claiming your prize at Monkey Knife Fight. You're not going to get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate those other sites over at Monkey Knife Fight. Check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience and claim your deposit match in your free DLF premium membership over at monkeyknifefight.com. The first round, guys, of our 2019 rookie draft do-over is in the books. It went Kyler Murray, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Daniel Jones in the first half of the first round. After that, Terry McLaurin, Marquise Brown, Debo Samuel, Drew Locke, Deontay Johnson, and Nicole Hardman. Ryan, you have the number one pick in the second round. Who do we have here? I'm going to stick with the wide receiver position, take Darius Slayton. Uh, I think he's the wide receiver one for the Giants. I think he's the most talented option there, um, given the, the age of some of the other guys. Wide receiver, uh, 37 as a rookie. And, uh, I mean, he was a fifth-round pick last year, but really wasn't on the radar for most dynasty players, uh, at, at least early in the offseason, soon after the rookie draft. Uh, went undrafted in, in most of my rookie drafts, I know. Uh, and then it, it took training camp and some preseason games for us to really kind of come around on him. But So he will be the... Top pick in the second round. All right, Matt, you're up at 202. What do you got here? There's a lot of ways to go with this particular pick. Uh, and I, honestly, the guy I'm going to take is not my favorite, but I, I think it's time to take Nikhil Harry uh, here. He, you know, obviously he's got that draft capital with him. He's, he, he's, he's, he's absolutely the most upside receiver I think on the Patriots this season with Cam Newton we know Cam Newton knows how to use those big receivers back from his days with the likes of Kelvin Benjamin and so forth uh but you know Harry his his the knock on him coming out was his his lack of ability to separate um but you know after the catch he's a he's a monster and Cam's going to be willing to throw the ball up to him I think so the kill Harry he has a chance I think to be maybe one of the biggest value risers uh in terms of dynasty value from the end of his first season to the end of his second season so if Cam if Cam is healthy if Cam can get him the ball I think Harry has a chance to to really skyrocket in in 2020 yeah I mean if you can get the next Calvin Benjamin you gotta do it Come on! Was, uh, was he your wide? Was, was he your wide receiver one in this class, Ryan? Oh, sure. Pre-draft sure. process. Uh, 
Yeah, I think he was, and most you know, not only was he the wide receiver one, he was the, the he was the one oh one for yeah. right for a lot of people. It it took um, <clears throat> it, it took a a landing spot for Josh Jacobs in the first round to really uh, to really change that, and and then you know Miles Sanders came came and, and kind of crashed that party, as did uh, another player that we haven't even selected yet. Yeah, I'm just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I do have questions about Harry. I'm not really buying or selling. He's kind of a hold player for me. But I mean, looking at the depth chart, you know, I'm not worried necessarily about Julie Edelman, especially long term. I mean, Mohamed Sanu. I, I know he was he was hurt once he finally went over to the Patriots last off season. But it just seems to me like if you are going to invest in that offense, Harry's the guy, and he fits to to me. He fits here in, in this kind of tier. I think there's a, there's a, a lot of people are worried that he's just. Treadwell 2.0. Yeah, I, and there is certainly that concern. Uh, I'm not – if he doesn't do anything this year, his value is obviously going to go in, absolutely in the toilet. But it, I think the other players in this tier that I would look at are, are players with some – some are, are the tight ends, of course, but we're not playing in a tight end premium league for this exercise. So I, I feel like I would still rather take the receiver there. And there's a couple of running backs that I think that you could argue for here as well. But, um, you know, we default to wide receivers on this podcast, I think, most of the time. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go back to quarterback again. My really? last pick, fellas, was Drew Locke. And Gardner Minshew is in a similar situation. We're talking about super flex here, guys. Minshew didn't even play a whole season. He was a top 20 passer, both in yards and touchdowns, only through six interceptions, which was top 10 in the league. I think he's got a, a lot like Locke. He has... He has the faith of that coaching staff for 2020 and probably beyond that. A lot, a lot of what I said about Locke can be can be flipped over to Gardner Minshew. He's got the cult following. I don't know if that's necessarily helping keeping him on the field, but uh, while I haven't invested heavily in Gardner Minshew, if we were truly going back to 2019 and holding this draft, knowing what we know now, I think it's Gardner Minshew is easily a top 15 pick. Uh, I would have taken him ahead of a couple of these other guys, and and so I'm happy to get him right here. How, how are you going to feel about that in 2021 when they're trotting out Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? You know, I'm, I can't. You can't, can you really worry about that right now? You have to you have to buy these guys at their current value. And, and Minshew in super flex leagues, while he's not not bringing a return of like a top 12 quarterback would, he you, you can trade him for for players that are better than players that are, are being picked ahead of him, in my opinion. Okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that one. I think I feel like a, if I saw a Gardner Minshew for Nikhil Harry trade in a, in a super flex dynasty, like it wouldn't get my attention at all. Like that, that just feels, yeah, that seems it seems like fine. A pretty even trade. Yeah, right? It seems fine. Yeah. Yeah. That seems fine. So shouldn't they go back to back in a draft? Then? <laughs> I think there's a handful of other, other guys you could insert for him, Kale and Nikhil Harry, but yeah, I think it's fine. There's definitely just right. uncertainty around Drew Locke and around Gardner Minshew and around the uh, another, another quarterback, quarterback that will that will that will probably draft soon. I I had Locke at 18 overall and Minshew at 19. Yeah, mm. about that. All right. Maybe I should be trying to invest in some of these quarterbacks. <laughs> I'm not going to take the other quarterback, however. I'm going to go to the running back position. I'm going to take David Montgomery. Yep. This is about as far as I was willing to let him fall. He was he was the next guy on my list. He's he's 
while while he's not the darling that maybe a lot of us thought that he would be when he came out and, and got that job in Chicago, an ideal landing spot really for him in the draft in the third round. Uh, he was he was still productive, still a running back two at, at fringe running back uh, running back three, I guess at twenty four uh, overall at the position. Like maybe a po- little bit of post hype sleeper with David Montgomery going into twenty twenty and and maybe even beyond that because he's got that role still. He's going to get lots of volume. He'll get handed the ball a ton out of that backfield, and they want to be a run heavy offense, especially with those quarterbacks. Uh, that are going to be under center in Chicago. So David Montgomery falls down to the 16th pick here. He was going a lot higher than that a year ago. Yeah, I I, I kind of flipped a coin between him and Harry, honestly, at that last pick for me. I just I just think he's a volume play. I think he, you're right. He's going to get the volume, probably 250-plus touches. He only played 57% of the offensive snaps last year with, you know, Tariq Cohen getting most of those passing games. Nice, But he is a good receiver, so it just depends on how they're going to deploy him. If they're going to use him as only that, that purely that early down runner, then I'm not as excited about him. But you're, you're right. The volume is definitely there. Uh, the offensive line, one of the worst in the league last year, I don't really think they did too much, if anything, to improve that this offseason. So, that's also a little bit of concern, but uh, I think you're right. Just based on volume alone, he belongs in this area. So that'll put you back on the clock, Matt, in the middle of the second round at 205. Yeah, and I think I'm – oh, man. I think I'm, I think I'm also going to take a running back here, someone who I was very into pre-combine, and I know necessarily combine – stuff should not factor in hugely into my evaluation and generally it doesn't but Devin Singletary you know I just you know, lose, looked like a very elusive player in college the speed obviously wasn't there and now they've added Zach Moss behind him who could certainly I mean you could argue that he is a better receiver than Singletary which seems weird based on their body type and, and, and their game but uh, so that, that concerns me a little bit but you have Singletary playing in year two and, and with, a, with a, quarter, a rushing quarterback we know that what that does for running back so if if he can hold off Moss for for most of those snaps, um, I am worried about him on the goal line too because Moss I think is going to be a better goal line back than Singletary as well. But between the twenties, I think it's Singletary's job to lose, and he was impressive in, in in what workload he did get last season. So hopefully he can improve on that in year two. Yeah, he was the next guy on my list as well, Matt. Uh, certainly fits in right with David Montgomery, who went went the pick before. Ryan, you got a couple picks in the middle of the round here at 206 and 207. Are you going to go with two guys at the same position? I am. I'm going to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> going to uh, double tap tight end here. Uh, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, uh, both first-round tight ends a year ago. Uh, I, I would say... I feel like both have have probably lost some dynasty value over the past year. I think they they came in with huge expectations. Uh, Hawkinson especially failed to live up to to the hype. He he had that one big game. I know he kind of dealt with some injuries uh, off and on the rest of the year and only finished up as the tight end 31. Fant was a little more uh, intriguing and and productive finishing as tight end. 15, but I still see both of those players with uh, top five dynasty tight end potential. Uh, so grabbing them here in the in the middle part of the second round uh, feels like a win. 
Yeah, I think they were the obvious two picks here. Uh, almost went with Fant over David Montgomery. They were they were real close in my rankings. Matt, you uh, get to follow that one up at the 208. Yeah, the reason why I did not, I, I thought about cracking the seal on the tight ends here, but I figured Ryan would do this. So I want to take a guy who, I mean, it's difficult to rank him above those two tight ends in this class or or in, in terms of the tight end position in general, but I certainly like Irv Smith more than those two. So I'll take him here. I wrote up an article a few weeks ago on Noah Fant and uh, the, the numbers are, are not great for him producing a top five to six tight end. Uh, season anytime soon with with all those other weapons surrounding uh, uh, Drew Locke in, in Denver, but I think Irv Smith has that opportunity with you know only really Adam Thielen and now Jeff, Justin Jefferson there. I'm not worried about Kyle Rudolph at all. Maybe Rudolph sees more work in the red zone end zone area of the field, but I think uh, that that Irv Smith in 2020 is going to emerge as at worst the third option in that offense and maybe even the second option in that offense. So I'll take him here behind those top two tight ends. I think he fits certainly in the mid to late uh, second round of this exercise. I, I still value Fant and Hawkinson over Irv, and it's, it's probably by enough that I think that maybe a couple players should have fit in uh, in between them, but it's not by a lot for sure. He certainly belongs, and I like Irv Smith Jr.'s upside, even in Minnesota with, with a veteran tight end already in place with Kyle Rudolph. It's, it's a nice pick, no doubt. I have my last two picks here at the 209 and the 210, and I had to do it again. I'm going to go back to quarterback one more time. I'll take Dwayne Haskins, and, and he kind of fits with the other two that I picked. And, you know, honestly, I I chose Drew Locke at, at the 110, and I wouldn't have made that selection if I had known that that Dwayne Haskins could slip into the into the same range of the second round, because there's not that much difference between Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm uh, overvalue suddenly overvaluing quarterbacks in superflex, even even bottom of the barrel uh, quarterback twos. But it feels like Dwayne Haskins has become a value even all the way down here at 209 to me. I'll take him here, and then at the 210. Uh, I'm going to take a guy, actually, I, I went back and forth in, in my rankings between two receivers, and they were Darius Slayton and Preston Williams. I, val- I value them relatively closely. I, I do like Darius Slayton better, but not by a whole lot. Darius Slayton went with a 13th overall pick here, and I'm going to get Preston Williams at 22 overall. Similar type player, uh, although Darius Slayton um, has a you know, some other options in, the, in that wide receiver core. There's uh, there's certainly um, a, a, a competition for targets in New York. It feels to me that Preston Williams in Miami is the number two option among wide receivers. Maybe you fit Gasecki in there uh, in between in between the, the, the two wide receivers. But Preston Williams still has the upside, showed what kind of player he was early in the 2019 season before going down to injury. I think he picks up right where he left off, and and there's some upside to be had there. So Preston Williams is the 22nd pick, my last pick of this exercise. Matt, you're up at the 211. He was included in this this range for me. Uh, just definitely consideration at this pick, and I only have one pick left. There's so many players left that I want to take you guys, uh, but I'm gonna go just because I want to talk about him. I'm gonna take Tony Pollard here. 
uh, obviously the backup to Ezekiel Elliott. Um, but if you go back, I mean, if you guys haven't looked at what Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard did in his rookie season, go just look up Tony Pollard highlights uh, on YouTube and, and look at this player. He's extremely impressive, obviously behind the alpha and Ezekiel Elliott, but I have to think that he's going to have some standalone value in 2020 that they're going to want to get him on the field based on what he did last season. Uh, and, and we know if Ezekiel Elliott goes down, I think he's going to, I mean, I think in terms of weekly ranks, he's going to be in the running back one consideration, I think on, on a weekly basis bases here uh, uh extremely efficient player people i think people think of him as a small receiving back but he's actually taller and a little bit bigger than christian mccaffrey six foot 209 i think uh mccaffrey's in the 511 205 range so not a small guy like we, we like i think is pe- people think uh and i think could absolutely take over that running back uh that backfield in dallas if something was to happen to ezekiel elliott so uh tony pollard here with my last pick I like that pick. He certainly fit into this range as well, considered him along with Preston Williams and another running back with my pick where I, where I ended up with Williams. Ryan, you get to, you get to be the caboose here. Who's the last pick of this, this draft? Yeah, I'm going to kind of follow uh, Matt's lead here and go with a, a high upside backup running back. I'll take Alexander Madison. Uh, I'm, I'm still very concerned about uh, Dalvin Cook's uh, injury history. I know we, he had that breakout season last year and, and we kind of ha- have forgotten everything or, or put everything aside that, that we were worried about previously. But even last year, he still got hurt. He still missed some time. Um, so I, I think that's a major concern. If you have Dalvin Cook on your roster, I think it, it, it should be a priority that you try to go out and acquire Alexander Madison. Yeah, I like that. It, it's odd, guys. We we talked about everything being a little bit different for all of us, but my top 24 players were drafted in this thing. Yep, mine too. Yep. <laughs> all right. Wow. So there, there were a handful. So there are half a dozen, 10 players were, that I would have liked to take, you know. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit. Give me a couple of those names, uh, and, and we'll, we'll all kind of touch on some guys that we would have picked next. Uh, and uh, he's probably a little farther down the de- um, down the list, but Paris Campbell, Jalen Hurd, Daryl Henderson, I still have some love for Jay Sternberger, uh, certainly a consideration. Damian Harris, you know, if Sony Michelle doesn't work out, or maybe even if he does, Miles Boykin, I, I think has a lot of upside still to be unlocked. Uh, and there's, you know, there's still a, even after those guys, I still think there's a handful of of names we could talk about. Dawson Knox in year two. Uh, Bryce Love, if he's healthy with this Darius guy situation, you know, I think it is Adrian Peterson's going to get the first chance there. But if Bryce Love is healthy, maybe he cuts into that. Uh, I'll, I'll leave some other names for you, but there are still some some ones I still haven't even mentioned. <laughs> wow, you just named every what, other what, rookie. What name? Yeah, <laughs> no, what there's still more. There's still you, more. <laughs> I think he left. Uh, I think he left Jay Sternberger, I believe. Um, no, he mentioned, he mentioned him. him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Travion I, I try, Williams. I, I, D- yeah, I try not to listen to Matt too much. Um, <laughs> okay. Steven Sims, he did not mention. We talked about Kelvin Harmon's yep. injury that leaves Steven Sims as probably the uh, wide receiver two. He was undrafted uh, in the NFL draft and in dynasty rookie drafts, totally off the radar. And then, uh, you know, these, these three wide receivers that we all had high hopes for, they, they basically ended up with, um, with an ADP in the top round and a half overall. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Matt mentioned Paris Campbell, and Andy Isabella, and all three uh, were, were major bust for different reasons in their rookie year. So, you know, we, we said it with D.J. Chark last week, 
these these wide receivers are going to have quiet down rookie seasons and then and then come on in year two uh so it, if we fast forward a year and, and one of these is a, a valuable dining dynasty asset it would not be a surprise yeah it wouldn't be a surprise at all the other two that i don't think you guys mentioned jalen hurd and uh hunter renfro as well both have a little bit of upside as well <laughs> Um, there were some some disappointing maybe running backs that that ha- we had high hopes for at one point. Justice Hill uh, buried, of course, in Baltimore. He he was a darling in the dynasty community for some. Also, Benny Snell. He seems to be down that depth chart uh, in Pittsburgh. And then Raquel Armstead. Um, although he, he he maybe has a little bit of upside if he gets the right opportunity in Jacksonville as well. The last guy I wanted to mention, or the last couple, actually, Travion Williams in Cincinnati. I still kind of hold a candle for that guy. There's still a little bit of a glimmer of chance in deep leagues. He's worthy of a roster spot. And then Darwin Thompson as well was in this class. Speaking of holding the candle, we didn't mention Hakeem Butler. At one point last season, I know for a fact he was both Ryan and I as wide receiver one in this class, and I know he had he did absolutely nothing with that injury and uh, really didn't make any noise in training camp or the preseason either. But you know, I, I still have I still have some hopes for Kane Butler, and he's free right now, so even cheaper than Isabella, I think. I don't know what you're talking about. Foster, Foster literally. Fo- Foster Moreau. <laughs> Foster Moreau made noise. I mean, I mean, there's just we could just go on and on in this class. You mentioned Benny Snell. You know, uh, him being farther <laughs> down the depth chart. But you know, if, if James Conner was to go down, I feel like he profiles more as that lead back than than even McFarland does. So, uh, so much, so much more to talk about in this class, you guys. <laughs> or or so not more to talk or not about. I guess dead I guess air not. I, guess, I, I guess not <laughs> no no your point's well taken for sure Matt uh, it it does go on and on and there are so many names and and a lot of these guys even the guys that we mentioned after those top twenty four are guys that we're still depending on as our depth and maybe maybe some kind of upside going forward uh hopefully the 2020 class brings as much fun a year later as this class has i think i think all of us i can speak for all of us that that we expect that to happen uh for for ryan and for matt i'm dan thanks for listening to this episode of the dlf dynasty podcast we're gonna catch you again next week